Reading this morning from 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Well, good morning. I just had the opportunity to go to uh, Southern California with my oldest son, Caleb. We're uh, beginning that whole journey of uh, college visits, and some of you have been through that. And while we were in Southern California, uh, I decided, hey, let's hit Disneyland. I love Disneyland. So we went there, and, and we're enjoying the day. It's a Thursday afternoon, and, and uh, we showed up. And for those of you who've been there, there's a, there's a statue of uh, Walt Disney, and he's holding the hand of Mickey Mouse. And behind him is the castle. It's kind of the middle circle as you walk down the main lane. And Caleb and I were sitting on the, the benches right there where Walt Disney uh, was with Mickey. And we were just observing people and just enjoying the sunshine. And uh, as I was observing people and as I was talking to Caleb, one of the first questions I had is, doesn't anybody work anymore? (laughs) Apparently the economy is not suffering. Uh, There were thousands upon thousands of people uh, at Disneyland on Thursday afternoon. It wasn't Christmas break yet, and they were all enjoying the day as we were. The second thing that I talked with Caleb about as we were sitting there. I said, Caleb, why do you think thousands upon thousands of people every day of every year come to Disneyland? Why do you think that is? Literally, every day, thousands upon thousands. And I think all of us, myself included, I think there's... An attempt. We're trying to grasp at some form of happiness, some form of joy. And somehow we think it's going to be found in the make believe world of Disney. And you end up asking yourself the question as you're sitting there is this where joy is found in this Christmas time? And we kept walking around and enjoying the day. And and just experiencing the moments, and we started to learn, well, where is joy really to be found this Christmas? And we learned it was going to be found at 6 p.m. that night. It was the Christmas parade that was going to happen. And so time had come, and it was getting to be close to the parade, and, and everybody was grabbing their spot, and if you've done Disney before, you know, everybody's lining the streets. They started two hours ahead of time. And they got the white rope that extends all around the sidewalk. 
And Caleb and I decided, hey, when the parade starts, we'll just kind of walk around uh, and enjoy the parade as it's coming. And everybody's camped out. They claim their their spot. And as we're walking down the aisle, walking past where the parade's going to be, the walkway comes to a dead stop. Like, there isn't traffic going either way. And then you've got all the ushers are saying, keep on moving. And, and he's coming right next to me. He says, sir, you need, to, you need to keep moving. And I look at him and I'm like, um, do you want to help me understand how we're going to do this? There's nobody's moving here. Well, you need to keep on moving. I'm like, there's nobody moving. It's kind of hard. Well, you need to get behind the white rope. So we lift up the white rope right where the beautiful Christmas tree is and sneak in underneath, and, and we're right there. People have been camped out two hours right there. You know, we got prime territory. And the parade began, and, and it, was just, it was just beautiful. But as it's coming, and here comes Goofy, you know, just awesome. And, and here comes these elves, and they're on these cool rollerblades that look like skis, and they're going all around, and, and children are giggling, and, and it's just fun. And then right behind us, Hey, keep on moving. Stop pushing me. And there's all of this yelling that is going on right in the middle uh, of this parade. And there's a woman who's standing right next to me. And there's a woman behind. And she's trying to get a picture. Here comes Mickey and Minnie Mouse, right? So she's trying to get a picture of this whole scene. And the woman next to me is like, Get that explicitive camera out of my face and just yelling, and everybody behind us was like, you got to move, stop pushing me. And so right in the middle of it, I'm like, people, this is the happiest place on the planet. You're missing it. Where's the joy at Christmas time? What is happening? Even, even when the, the movie Frozen, when that float came by, Where's the joy at Christmas? Was it with Elsa and Anna? We're all looking for joy. We want happiness. We're all grasping after it. And I think this beautiful passage this morning brings us to a place where we can find where real joy is this Christmas. And I want to share a few areas that I see in this passage in, in 1 John where we can find joy, real joy. There's joy in the eternal, that God is eternal. There's real joy in knowing that Christmas is for real. There's joy in discovering real life and what that's all about. And there's joy in real relationship. So let's pray for that this morning. Father, I just pray this morning that you would show us, reveal to us, where we can find real joy. Father, minister to our hearts, and Lord, as a body of Christ together, may we have joy in you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. And we do know that our ultimate joy comes in you and you alone. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, we're in the Advent season and joy is, is the theme this week. And you have to ask your, your, yourself the question, what is joy? What is it all about? 
Well, I think joy is not an emotion that just washes back and forth when we feel better or worse. I think joy is not happiness or an emotional overflow. I think joy is something that's much deeper. It's, It's a settled conviction in our soul. That underneath it all, just like Moses exclaimed in in Deuteronomy 33, underneath all of this life are the everlasting arms of God holding us up, walking with us. And that truly, in the end, God has His hand upon everything. And that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes that there will be beautiful laughter and embracing. It's the conviction that when all is said and done, all of God's purposes in all of history are accomplished by Him. That's joy. Knowing that His hand is in the middle of it all. And it leads to us singing praises together. Drawn together to Him, to the Lord. In the end, joy is greater than every difficulty that we face. Again, that deep abiding truth of God's love in us. That deep abiding truth that He is not out of control. That gives us joy. Real joy. Joy is that I am in right relationship with a living God who absolutely loves me. And that I am a child of His. And I will never stop being a child of His from that day that I came to know Him as my Lord and Savior. That's joy. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Not just something that comes and goes. Not just opening up that one Christmas present in the morning and then hours later forgetting about it. Real deep, abiding joy. Where is joy at Christmas time? Joy is in the eternal. Knowing that our Lord is in control of everything. Look what it says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes. John takes us right into heaven, doesn't he? Right into that place of the eternal, the eternal things of God. I just finally watched that that movie, uh, Heaven is for Real. I loved it. Loved it. And, And I loved it so much because for the little boy, it was like, of course, of course these things are real. Duh. I saw it. I experienced it. I was with Jesus. Here's what it's all about. John writes the same way. Of course. Here's what's happening in eternity. Here's what's true from the beginning of time. Here it is. The disciple that wrote the Gospel of John. The disciple that wrote Revelation. And these three letters. The same disciple. He had an insight into eternal things, didn't he? Let me tell you what's true about our God. About this babe in the manger who grew up to be our Savior. Let me tell you what I know of him. I must testify. Because if you want to have joy, he's the only place you can find it. And so he testifies and he proclaims, From the beginning... 
In the Gospel of John, remember what he says? In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, Jesus. And without Him, there wasn't anything that was made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men as we light these candles. Before beginnings began, He was. That's who that little babe in the manger was. David Roper had a, a wonderful uh, e, uh, e musing this week, and I heard, I heard from uh, one of my friends that might have been in the paper yesterday. The title of his, his uh, journaling was, What Child Is This? I appreciated what he said. He said, The birth of Jesus was no afterthought. Micah predicted it would happen long before it occurred, 700 years before the announcement to the shepherds. They predicted the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He would come forth from Bethlehem. And through his goings forth, they are from old, from eternity. Jesus began in Bethlehem, but that was not his beginning. Jesus, the story, the beautiful story. This was Emmanuel, the eternal God with us. Psalm 90 proclaims this, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you ever had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Do you understand what John is wanting us to see? Do you understand where he's wanting us to find joy? God is from the beginning. His love has poured out from the beginning of time. And I want you to know it. It's not some afterthought. Jesus is life and light. And he is our joy. There's joy in knowing the eternal things of God. There's joy in knowing that Christmas is for real. Especially as we live in a culture who's very fond of just saying happy holidays. We've seemed to loss, lose all that Christmas is about. He says this, John does, That which was from the beginning, eternal, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, which we have touched with our hands, Concerning the word of life, we've been so close to Jesus. I appreciate uh, Timothy Keller's perspective on Jesus as historical. He was real. He comments, John's saying, look at, I'm giving you all these accounts Jesus walking on water, Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus speaking all these words of life, these are not legends. These are not things made up. They're not Disney characters full of fantasy. They're not wonderful spiritual parables. These are things that we saw, John says. We were right there with Him. We lived life with Him. 
I was his beloved disciple. We heard him speak these words. We felt him. In other words, the doctrine of Christmas is that God became historical. Real. The manger, the resurrection, the story of Jesus is not just a story. It's true. It actually happened. And John keeps saying it. And then the Greek, what it says is, it's really, really, really true. You need to know it. Jesus isn't made up. He walked with us, and he ministered to us, and he rose from the dead. We have seen and we have beheld. There's two beautiful words there in this passage. One is we have seen in the sense of, we actually get the word theater uh, from this word. We We have observed this whole play, this whole story play out before us. But it's this idea that that not only are we watching the play, but we've been invited into this play. And we are part of it. This whole story of God, which is His love story for each of us. We've been part of this. And then He uses another word for seen, beheld, which is not only only have we seen it with our own eyes, but it has become a reality. We have believed upon what we have seen. I've taken it all in. Jesus is real. This babe in the manger has grown up to be our Savior. You need to know. I can't stop proclaiming it. You must know, John is saying. You can picture him getting excited. He's an old man by this point. I tell you the truth. I've seen I've been part of this drama with God and I have believed upon it. You know, the average person, again, is out there saying, ah, it's just, whoa, what sweet stories. Especially at Christmas time, we love it. It's warm and fuzzy. It feels so good. That's the average person. But it's not a parable. The story of Jesus is is either a bunch of lies or it's eyewitness accounts, historical accounts of our Savior, the babe in the manger who grew up. It's not legends. You know, many scholars of of history, as they study the the scriptures, and as scholars of literature, they'll say modern fiction today is is written in such a way that... uh, there's a lot of details uh, in the fiction of the stories. But that wasn't the ways of old. One of the reasons we know about Jesus and, and just the accuracy and that he's historical is that in the ways of old, you would make up these legends that would be just fabulous and really build the characters and would leave out the details. Do you remember, you remember in John chapter 6? Here's Jesus walking out on the water. And John's writing, writing the Gospel, and he's saying, well, yeah, you know, so there's Jesus. He's about three, three and a half miles offshore, you know, kind of commenting on the distance to make sure uh, that, it, you know, we know what's actually happening. That never happens in ancient literature when you're trying to build a legend. The reason John does it 
in the gospel because it's true. No, we were about three, three and a half miles offshore. And Jesus came out. It's true, I was there. I witnessed it. You wouldn't do that if you were trying to all of a sudden build up a legend, get, a, get some religion getting going. Jesus is either historically true or it's a bunch of silly lies that were being told about this man who was born in a manger. They'd be silly lies because in the Gospels you have all these accounts. It says this, 500 people in the Kidron Valley saw Jesus after his resurrection. Those things were written about 50 years after Jesus went to be with the Father. Now, if you're trying to to build a legend and get something going, a good religion going, about this Jesus guy, that's the worst lie you could tell. You're writing the story about 500 people in the Kidron Valley who've seen Jesus, and yet they're still alive. Do you know what I'm saying? It's 50 years later. They haven't died. So if you're going to make up a story, it could easily, easily be contradicted. Because the people are still around in the Kidron Valley. The people who you claim saw Jesus. If you're going to build up this legend, this, this Messiah, and you're going to tell a story and, and, and make this a great thing and start a religion, a power religion, yeah you've got to tell the story at least a hundred years later so that all those people have died so nobody can contradict you. Jesus is historical. And that brings us joy. He's for real. He's not some made-up story. Oh, so sweet, the babe in the manger. No, Savior of the world. He came for a reason, God in the flesh, so that we might have life. It's not a story, it's true, and it will change your life forever as you believe upon Him. And that brings ultimate joy. As we place our faith in Him, it changes us. It's the good news, John is saying, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy Keller says this, The Gospel is not that Jesus Christ comes to earth and tells us how to live, And so we live a good life. And then God owes us blessing. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to earth and he lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died so that as we believe in him, we are accepted and we live a life of grateful joy unto him. He lived the perfect life, holy, righteous, without sin. But because we couldn't get there on our own, he had to come. The babe in the manger had to come. And as we believe upon him, we are filled with joy. John wants us to know it's all true. That that it's life. If it wasn't true, then then we are utterly hopeless. If it wasn't true, then there's no way that we are saved by grace. If it wasn't true, then our whole life is spent attempting somehow to save ourselves. 
somehow get to God. To somehow forgive ourselves for all of our wretchedness and sin. Somehow to get over all the brokenness. It's all on us. If it's not true. But John is saying it is. Jesus was for real. And he came into our lives. If it's not true, then we continue to walk around Disneyland grasping at some form of happiness. The joy is that Emmanuel, God is with us. The Savior is born. The gift of salvation. And the gift is offered to everybody. Everybody. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what junk you've done and been through, the joy is that the gift of salvation is offered to everyone and that he who believes in the Son, Jesus, shall be saved. And you become a child of God. And that's pure joy. There's joy in the eternal. There's joy in knowing that Christmas is for real. There's joy in discovering real life, which only comes through Jesus. Look what he says. Verse 2, the life, the life was made manifest. That means it was shown, it was revealed. The life was revealed. And we've seen it. We testify to it. Again, we can't shut up about it. To you, the eternal life, which was with the Father, Jesus, like the Gospel of John says, and was made manifest, which was revealed to us. There's real joy in discovering real life. John is saying, we, we felt the beating of the human heart. Can you imagine John leaning in the bosom of Jesus in the Last Supper? The heartbeat of God. He's for real. And he's life. He's everything. We have come in contact with the life of God and he laid down that life in order that we might have life. He had to come. He gave it up on the cross to make us part of the family of God. And John is swept away with emotion as he cries out, And really, ultimately, what he's saying is from the beginning of time, the eternal Word of God was made plain to all. And here's what it is. This man was life. Period. End of sentence. This little babe wasn't meant just to stay cute and cuddly in a manger so that we could have a warm, fuzzy Christmas season. He had to grow up to die on the cross for our sin. This man was life. And it was made plain to all of us. And John is crying out, don't miss it. Don't miss it. The Savior is right before you and you're back here shouting. You're missing the whole thing. We're all searching for life. We, we all wrestle with those big questions of life. What is the meaning of life? 
What's it all about? There was an interview with Johnny Depp, the actor. I like Johnny Depp. And it was in Rolling Stone magazine. And he was contemplating the things of life. He says, you know, I went around for years thinking, well, what's it all about? What's it all for? All the stuff that I'm doing, all the interviews, all the movies, the success or not success, this or that. But when my daughter was born, it was as if a veil had lifted and things became clearer. I went, oh, I get it now. This is what life is. This is what life is for. This is what it's all about. I didn't have a real handle on what life is supposed to mean or anything like that. And I still don't. I'm not sure if life is supposed to mean anything at all, he says. But as long as you have the opportunity to breathe, breathe. As long as you have the opportunity to make your kids smile and laugh, then go ahead, move forward. I think we're here, and that's, that's kind of it. Then, he says, it's all dirt and worms. When he dies, Depp said, it would be so cool to have my body just tossed over a mountain so people could watch my body bounce. Might as well entertain people on the way down. He sort of grasped it when his child was born, that this is what it's all about, but then he still never grasped what life is. And John is saying, life is found, real life, in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, because He is life. And as we receive Him as Lord and Savior, He comes and He lives within us, and it, it's His life now living through us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we have life that is real. John is saying life itself was sent into the world from the beginning of time. It lasts forever. And in Him, the reign of death is over. You see, ever since the beginning of Adam and the fall of man, death has reigned, but in Christ, that is conquered. And so in Him is life. Jesus was sent into the world which death had reigned, And the answer to the longing of our heart is not Disneyland. The answer is Jesus. He embraces us and he welcomes us in. And there's joy in that. Where's joy at Christmas time? Joy in knowing the eternal God. Joy in knowing that Christmas is for real. Joy in knowing where real life can be found. And the last area that I see in this passage is joy in real relationship with God. That which you have seen and which we've heard, we proclaim to you, so that, look what it says, that we may have fellowship, that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things, why? Look at this so that our joy, some texts say your joy, I say it's this joy together, our joy may be complete. If we know Christ, what happens is we become part of this wonderful community and we all share the same life. 
as followers of Jesus Christ, we share His life. That's our commonality. We share all that He is. We all are wanderers in the wilderness and we we all arrive at this place where the fire is together. And He is the light of the world. He's that flame. And there's real joy. And together in fellowship, we become related to the Father and the Son. We become part of the family of God. He uses this word, the famous Greek word, koinonia. We have this intimate fellowship because of God. Because of who He is in our life. We are all brothers and sisters now in the Lord. And we have fellowship with one another. And we have fellowship, intimate relationship with Him. That is awesome joy. That you're part of this family. And that we enter in together. You know, at Disneyland, one of the things that Caleb and I saw, there was a bunch of this, was, was all these uh, beautiful uh, families running together, but they all had the same T-shirts on. You ever see those family reunions? And they all have the same T-shirts, and they're, they're bright colors. You can't miss them. I think it's so they don't lose the little ones, you know? But they, they come, and they run by the hundreds of them. I mean, they're just all over the place. Oh, there's the Wilson family again. I, I know that T-shirt. And, and, and the T-shirts are crazy. they got all kinds of, you know, sayings on them. And it's fun to see those T-shirts. Do you have a T-shirt? When I married uh, Kina Swanson, uh, I came into a big family, and I got a T-shirt. I don't, I don't know if you can see it super well. Is she Swedish? And it's, it's got all of these, uh, it's got all of these like toy horses on them and little flowers. And, and the thing is, when, when, when you wear this t-shirt, uh, it's, uh, it kind of takes away your man card. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not something that uh, I want to be wearing out too often because I get beat up when I wear this thing. And you know what? Uh, it's, it's actually become a, um, it's become a painting uh, shirt uh, for me. The, but here's the deal. You know, I'm not, I'm not super fond of the design uh, of this shirt because it's, it's a little bit girly, uh, quite honestly. But I will say this. I love that I have a T-shirt. I'm part of this family. And, and, and that's what John's saying. You know what our ultimate joy is? Our ultimate joy is that we all got the shirt and we get to live life together. And and we get to have this community and and we get to have this love that's this deep abiding love in Christ Jesus. And you can have that and it's ultimate joy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It's rather a reality created by God and Christ in which we may participate. I get to wear the shirt. And I love that I'm part of that family. And that's where ultimate joy comes in. And he's saying, there is this beautiful horizontal relationship, but where it really stems from is this this incredible vertical relationship with the living God. That Christmas is true 
And because it's true, we have a, a basis for a personal relationship with Him. He's not some distant being that's not connected with us. It's not a remote idea or some force that we cower before because like the Oz, the fearful Oz. No, an intimate, beautiful, loving God who's very real and who came in the flesh so that He might die on the cross so that we might have life. Christmas is for real. And it's true. Christmas is an invitation to know Christ personally. It's an invitation by God who says, look what I've done to come near to you. Now come near to me. I don't want to be some concept, some thought out there, some warm, fuzzy feeling. I want to be your friend. I want to be your Savior. I want to give you life. I'm writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I want you to know that this beautiful relationship with the living God makes our joy complete. That relationship with one another makes our joy complete. It's the fullness of all of who God is and it's this inward deep contentment that doesn't fade away. A wonderful gift, God in the flesh. A gift for each of us. Fellowship with the living God and with the Son, Jesus. John wraps up, 1 John in chapter 5, he, he wraps up this way. And this is the testimony. Here's John, again, can't shut up about it. God gave us eternal life. And the life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever believes upon Jesus has life. But whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you that you may believe in the name of the Son of God and that you may know that as you believe upon Him, you have life. And that is ultimate joy. Let's pray. Father, You are so good. And Father, we thank You for John who proclaimed so boldly that You are for real that You are Savior of the world, and we thank You for His Gospels and His writings because we can know You through them. And as we receive You, we know You because Your Spirit has come into our lives. And we know we have received Your forgiveness for sin. And we now have life, eternal life, in You. And beautiful life now with one another. We love You, Lord Jesus, and we do together proclaim You our God, our Savior, thank You, Jesus, that You came in the flesh. And we thank You that Christmas is for real. Amen.